0: to start off i want to welcome everybody watching online right now we've got a couple campuses joining with us today specifically our Minatrista campus right now can we at apple valley welcome the miniatrista campus that's watching this weekend with us we love you and uh Check this, Pastor Rob had a, a vision weekend at the beginning of the year saying, hey, we want to reach more people. We want to add more services to reach more people. And Minnetrista this weekend is launching their 5 p.m. service on Sunday night. Come on, let's celebrate just one more time with them. <laughs> Adding services. As a side note, Apple Valley, we're bringing back Monday nights here come, uh, come about Easter. So just be on the lookout. And we're continuing a series this weekend. It's week three in a series of messages called What Pleases God. What pleases God? We, uh, we want to please God, right? We want to, the, he's the creator of the universe. He breathed life into us and we want to please God. Pastor Rob started the, the series off talking about faith, living in faith pleases God. Last week he said, right thinking, getting our minds right pleases God. And this week, uh, super fun subject, everybody gear up. Obedience pleases God. All the parents said, Amen. Amen. Hey, let's, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, from the account of the first disobedience. The first disobedience, and then we're going to go over to Philippians chapter 2 in just a second. But in Genesis 3, starting in verse 1 through 7, it says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of these trees in the garden?" Of course we may eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Ugh. <laughs> then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That was the first disobedience. And now let's, let's read the account of the first complete obedience only done by Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter two, verses five through 11 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. God, the creator of the universe, putting on human form. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, even to the point of dying a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names and that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're here and you're thankful that Jesus willingly went to the cross and obeyed the Father so that we could have a way to life. Give God a little bit of praise today the title of the next 25 minutes is first time obedience first time obedience I believe it's what God desires from his followers first time obedience let's pray together as we start father I thank you that your presence is here you are here in the room And we celebrate on this baptism weekend, people that have taken a step of obedience, not just to give their life to you, but to walk it out publicly and to go through the waters of baptism, dead to their old life and alive and new in you. We celebrate that today. And Lord, would you speak to us over these next few moments, how we can better obey you By the power of the Holy Spirit, you've given us the ability to do everything you've asked us to do. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. I grew up in a Christian home. I'm a pastor's kid, if you didn't know. Uh, Any pastor's kid in the room? Just raise your hand if you're a pastor's kid. Give it up for the pastor's kids around the room. Wow. Awesome. Well, in the '90s, there was a, a parenting ministry called Growing Kids God's Way. Anybody heard it? What a—that's a '90s title, right there. What a great title! '90s, Growing Kids God's Way. Uh, I thought our family was doing pretty good, but my parents thought they needed a little extra training, and so they went through this ministry called Growing Kids God's Way. Let's just say things changed in our house in an instant. As a kid, it was pretty upsetting. Back in the day when I was playing Super Nintendo down in the basement and my my dad would yell down in the basement and say, Kirk, before Growing Kids God's Way, I got to say, what? (laughs) After Growing Kids God's Way, I had to uh, set down the controller, walk up the stairs, (laughs) look my dad in the eye and say, yes, dad. Yes, Yes, dad. A little parenting. Uh, before growing kids God's way, uh, you know, if my mom or dad said, hey, Kirk, would you, would you clean your room? Before growing kids God's way, it, I used to be able to say, just one second. Just one second. Just, just let me finish this. And after growing kids God's way, we learned first time obedience. Kirk, would you clean your room? I didn't say in one second. I said, would you clean your room now? Let's do it now. And so things change in our home for the better or for the worse. I thought it was the worst, but here we are today. Now I'm trying to raise two daughters and uh, we're implementing these principles (laughs) because it's great. First-time obedience. We have an 18-month-old daughter. Her name's Ivy. And, uh, man as a parent, trying to, trying to teach is difficult. Our older daughter, she, I felt like she learned pretty quick. She's not perfect, but she just is, has a, a, a sweet, compassionate spirit. Ivy doesn't know what danger is at all. She just has no idea. So if it's hot, she's going to touch it. She's say, hot, don't touch. It's going to hurt you. You're going to lose your hand. She wants to touch it. She doesn't understand. So we're trying to teach her first time obedience. The other day, I was across the room and uh, I looked over and saw Ivy and she had, uh, some chapstick. Somehow she she's 18 months. She found some chapstick, and somehow she was able to twist it up like this, so that all the chapstick was just hanging out. And I said, well, we're going to test to see if she's learning what we're teaching her, right? And so instead of going to take the chapstick, I said, I'm going to try this from a distance. We're going to practice this. We're going to make it happen. And, uh, and I said, Ivy, bring that to me. And this is our young, younger daughter. This is how she responds. And she, she goes, and she does this thing. I don't know if it'll translate in the camera, but she does this thing where she'll just like, if she doesn't make eye contact, then she's going to disobey. She's going to just do it. But she'll like look to see if I'm looking. She's 18 months. Who taught her this? This is, this is the sin nature in play. And just Looking. And uh, I'm not going to eat it, but she has eaten a full tube of chapstick. (laughs) We're laughing, right? But this is human nature. I believe God's saying we need, to, we need to learn as Christ followers first time obedience. First time obedience. Not avoiding what he's telling us to do. Not, not uh, j- just uh, ignoring what he's telling us to do. Not uh, delaying what he's telling us to do. When I tell Ivy hey come here. She, she'll, she'll wait and wait and wait and now she's just learning. Like she'll wait and then she'll come here. In, in the kingdom of God and when God's telling you something to do maybe you've heard it before. But delayed disobedience is disobedience. We got to step into first time obedience as Christ followers. But before we talk about obedience, let's talk about what obedience is not. Cool. There's a, there's a, a train of thought that if I just do the right thing, that's obedience wrong. You can do the right thing with the wrong heart and you're wrong. It's what Jesus talked about with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were trying to follow the law, the rules of God. They were, they were obeying most of, most of those rules and say, we're doing, we're doing what the law said, but their heart was all wrong. Isaiah 29, verse 13 says, And so the Lord says, Jesus later said, repeated this verse about the Pharisees, said, These people say they are mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Think about, uh, you know, being married for eight years now and uh, thinking about, you know, I I know I need to tell Kaylee that I love her. That's something that I should do. Um, But how many know that if I do it in this way, it may not be the best way if I'm just like, I love you. Right? It's like I did the right thing, but I did it the wrong way. I'm wrong. You do the right thing. You obey God, but with the wrong heart, the wrong thinking, the wrong attitude. We're wrong. We need to learn to do first-time obedience, but with the right heart. Obedience is not doing the right thing with the wrong attitude. Here's some wrong thinking that sometimes we get trapped in. I'm going to obey so that God will love me more. It's actually wrong thinking. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Even in the middle of our sin, Christ died for us. That means he loves us. You can't earn it. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter who you are, what type of life you've lived. God loves you so much so that Jesus died for your sin. He wanted to make a way for you to make it to heaven. God loves you. You can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. He loves you. So you don't need to obey so that God loves you more. He loves you. Another wrong thought is obeying because God needs a helping hand. You know what? The thinking is like, I'm awesome and I've got a lot of great gifts and talents and God could use these gifts and talents. He really needs me to to jump in. So you know what? I'm going to obey because I'm helping him out. He needs me, right? Wrong thinking. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 24 and 25 says, he is God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need another way to to of wrong thinking is i'm going to obey as performance i'm going to earn this salvation. I'm going to earn my way into heaven. Wrong thinking. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. In fact, obeying should come out of the overflow of the heart of love towards God. It should just be you obey because you love him so much because he's done so much for you, but it's not to perform. We live in a culture of performance, performance. Think about status. I I got the right. Now I got this new title and now I got this new pay raise and look at what I got for retirement. Look at the house I live in. Look at the cars. Look what teams my children play on. They're on the A team. So by the way, let's stop parenting out of our own insecurities. Okay. It's a separate message. But it's all about status. It's all about performance. And the temptation as a Christ follower is that that bleeds into our discipleship and how we follow Jesus. So my church attendance, how many groups I'm in, how much I tithe, how much I give to kingdom builders, how many global teams I go on, all that I'm doing. Look, God, look at all that I'm doing. I'm, this is, it's, it's a performance mentality and it's a wrong way to think. We should do it just out of the overflow. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Once you've received the gift, you don't have to try to earn it. It's a free gift. So that's what obedience is not. Now let's talk about first-time obedience. First-time obedience. Two thoughts to help us obey it the first time. When God says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to step out. I'm asking you to to give up this. When God asks you to do something, when he gives you a command, we need some help in this because human nature fights against it so much. And the first thing in helping us with first-time obedience is to set ourselves up for success. We got to set our minds up for success. It's like uh, sometimes I'll wake up really early before the sun's up, and uh, I'll, I, I won't turn a light on uh, because I don't want to wake. Kaylee up, and so uh, I haven't set out my clothes before the the day, and sometimes I'll put on clothes that don't match. Anybody has done that before? It's because you can't see, and you try to turn your phone light on, but it's like I can't tell if it's blue or black. I'm not sure. I didn't set myself up for success. What I could have done is the night before when the lights were on and everybody was wide awake, I could have laid it out. I think when it comes to first-time obedience, knowing that God's going to ask us to do things, we can, in advance, set ourselves up for, before we are in the midst of temptation, before we get to the moment of decision, we can set ourselves up for success. What leads to obedience, and the first thing is is we need to view God as God. If you're wondering why should I obey, that's that's a good enough reason, because God is God. Acts 5 29, but Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. That's why they were being interrogated. They had been arrested by the same people that killed Jesus. And they're saying to their face, I'm, we're going to obey God more than we are people. I think we need to obey God more than we do anybody else's advice, any, any any type of thinking that we have. We'll trick ourselves. We'll deceive ourselves. We need to obey what God says more than anything else. Two, is we need to view the Bible and the word of God as what our lives are governed by. The word of God should be how we live our lives. Everything you read in the Bible is good instruction. The best way to live. It's if you're saying, well, I don't know what God's saying. Start with reading the Bible. What is he saying to you? It's an instructional book. You may say, well, I don't understand it. Psalms 19, seven and eight says the instructions of the Lord are perfect. Reviving the soul. If you're here and you need some uh, reviving of your soul, start with the word of God. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise, the simple, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. We believe that the Bible is any normal person is able to understand the instruction by reading the Bible. You are able to understand. It is clear to us. Number three. In helping set ourselves up for success, is we need to view God and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the one who died in our place. You want to you want to get out of a jam of temptation. You want to be uh, strengthened in a moment of decision. Let's remember that Jesus died in our place. What we deserved, He took on Himself. CT Stud, what a name! That's a good name. CT Stud was a missionary to China. He served under Hudson Taylor. And uh, he received, he was going to receive a massive inheritance from his father's passing. Massive inheritance. And he felt like the Lord told him, give it all away, give it all away. And so before he knew the amount that he was gonna receive, he started writing checks to orphanages. He kept writing and writing and writing. And he gave all of it away. This is what C.T. Studd said. If Jesus Christ be God and he died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. You want to know another? This isn't even part of the message. Another quote that he said, I love this one. He said, some wish to live within the sound of a church bell, but I want to run a rescue shop within one yard of hell. We need to set ourselves up for success for first-time obedience the second thing that I want to talk about in, in helping us with this is we need to remember who we are. Remember who we are. Philippians one twenty seven says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a matter worthy of the good news about Christ, then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I'll know that you're standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Every person here, you're made up of three parts. Pastor, Rob talked about it a few weeks ago. Body, soul, and spirit. Your body are your five senses. It's the physical realm, your physical body. That's what you are made of as a human. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. The ability to choose right or wrong. The ability to say yes or no. That's your soul, mind, will, and emotions. But there's another part of you as a human, and it's your spirit. This distinguishes us different than any other creature, any other creature does not have a spirit. You are made in the image of God and you have a spirit. What does it mean? You have connection to God. You are created for relationship with God to step into relationship and to build that and to grow that. You are body, soul, spirit. You are a child of God. You are made with purpose to advance his kingdom. You need to remember who you are in moments of temptation, in moments of decision, think about who you are. You're a representative of the God of the universe. Remember that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. God himself lives inside of you. The power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says, Dear friends, I warn you, As temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against our very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. We need to remember that we're just passing through. We're just passing through. This world is not our home. This is not where we're going to stay. That type of thinking helps us in moments when we're saying, are we going to obey or not? This life is a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Let's make the right decision. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can obey. As we get close to wrapping up here. So we talked about what it's not. We've talked about how do we set ourselves up for success for first time obedience, but you might be here, and again there 's all walks of life in the room. You might be here for the first time in church, hearing a message like this, or maybe you grew up in it, and this is all you 've ever known. but somebody here might ask the question well, well I, I get it there 's a lot of information, a lot of scripture, but why tell me tell me why should I give up my, my, my will saying I can choose my own way. Why should I give it up and give it to God? Why should I let him be the Lord of my life? Why should I let him direct my life? Why? What good could come of it? I want to give you some some results of living in obedience. What good comes out of it? Why should I obey? It's a good question. Why should I obey? The first one, there's five that I'm going to share. The first one, the reason why you should obey, number one, if God is God and he died for you in your place, number one, it's why we're preaching it today is because it pleases God. Your obedience pleases God. That should be the only reason you know, but that that you care about. But number two, is obedience. It actually brings glory to God. It glorifies God. It honors God. You're a Christ follower. You want to glorify God with your life. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 12 says, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. They were getting ready to give an offering to another church to help support another church. And he's saying, as you obey what the Lord's telling you to do, there's two good things that are gonna come out of it. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of the Corinthian church's obedience, other people are gonna glorify God. As a result of your obedience, Obedience in 2020. Other people will glorify God. It's something we should go after. Number three, obedience brings rewards to us. Maybe that's the one you were waiting for, so that's but that's true. Is obedience brings reward to you and to your life. Matthew 16, 27. Jesus said, for the son of man is gonna come with his angels in the glory of his father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Obeying the Lord brings blessing on your life. Number four, obedience brings us closer to God. If you're here and you're saying, I just feel like God is distant. I feel like I haven't heard his voice in a long time. I feel like I don't know what to do. Start thinking about how you're living your life. Start thinking about how you're thinking about how you're living your life. And say, you know what? I'm going to obey. I'm going to start to yield to God's voice in my life. I'm going to start to obey and watch your walk with the Lord grow. I think about the example of Ivy, our 18-month-old, is when I, when I say, hey, I need you to obey. I want you to come here. I want you to look at me. It's not because I'm ready to drop the hammer. It's because I want to hug her and celebrate the fact that she just obeyed. If if this is how we think as earthly parents, think about God, our heavenly father, that when we obey, it's like he's saying, come here. I want to celebrate your obedience. I want to bless you because of your obedience. He wants to look us in the eye, not with eyes of anger or or, or judgment or or furiation, but he wants to look at us and, and have us receive his eyes of love towards us, his eyes of forgiveness towards us. Obedience brings us closer to God. And number five, obedience advances the kingdom of God. This is what it's all about, by the way. This is why when you give your life to Jesus, you don't just like vaporize and go to heaven. It's because there's a real job to do yet. We got to bring as many people with us as possible. The way to do that, to live out your calling, to advance his kingdom, to reach as many people as possible, the way to do it is through obedience actually doing what he's telling you to do, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's not logical, even if nobody you know has ever done what he's asking you to do. If it lines up with scripture, if it lines up with godly counsel, step into that obedience because the kingdom of God is at stake. Lives are at stake. We understand the victory is in Jesus Christ's hands, but we got to get as many people there as possible. And look at this, the great commission, Matthew 28. If you've been in church any length of time, this is, you've seen it before, but we're gonna read all the way to the end of the chapter to verse 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is right after, right after he died and rose again and he's about to ascend to heaven. And he's saying, you're gonna start the church. You're gonna go do this. Here's the great commission. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know anything else that God's asking you to do, He's asking you to do do that. Use your sphere of influence, your gifts, your talents, your relationships to, to reach more people for Him. Go into all the world making disciples of all nations. But let's keep reading. Teach these disciples to obey... All the commands I have given you. That's why we're in a series like this. What pleases God and talking about obedience, It's because this is our job. We got to share this and we got to teach people obedience is huge. We got to obey what God's telling us to do. And be sure of this, Jesus said as he ends it, "I am with you always, even to the end of the age." The last, just we're going to close in just a second. The last thing I wanted to share is that um, when I was when I was 14 years old, I was arrested for five counts of theft. So some insight into my life. There you go. I'm messed up. Thank God that He saved me. Right? It's 14, and it was for it, it was for five counts of theft, and it, for a 14 year old, this moment was was it was the biggest moment of my life, and also the worst. It was my worst day of all time. I just, I wanted to die. But you got to rewind to where it started because it didn't start with me just doing all that I was doing, all the, all the stuff, all the sin, all the disobedience. It started, here's the, here's the story. Here's just my example. I'm just letting you in. I, I was at my high school. I was a freshman in high school. 14 years old, and uh, there was an event going on, and there's a place where there's a bunch of jackets. Like, people just took their jackets off. And outside of one jacket were three little dollar bills. I, even as I share the story, I remember the feelings that I felt seeing that. And I looked around, there's nobody in the room, and I saw three dollars. I, I don't know if I had ever thought about stealing. And that moment was like, I could do that and nobody would know. And I took those $3 and I felt so convicted in that moment uh, because I was raised the right way. I felt felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You want to know what I did? I went and returned two of them. It sounds silly. I went and returned two and I kept one. Remember 14 people. And I kept one, I kept one. I think I went and bought a candy bar and ate that candy bar. But that $1 turned into a life where it was after months and months where every day my mind was consumed about how, what was the next thing I could take and get away with it. It was like a sin adrenaline that almost destroyed my life. It all starts somewhere. The reason we're talking about this is because we, we, you don't need to always focus on the epic things that are going to put you away behind bars for decades. You've you got to worry about the fraction of a second where you look at something that you shouldn't look at. The fraction of a second where you feel a temptation to do something that nobody will know about. Because that fraction of a second And that decision to disobey God has the potential to grow into something much larger. And it will derail you in your life following Jesus. Obedience. Why? Because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Big things. Big things to reach people for his glory and for his kingdom. And we, we got to think about the, the smallest areas of our life where things can creep in. It's not just the epic things, but the Holy Spirit will give us the ability, even in the fraction of a second, to do exactly what God has asked us to do. I'd love for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. There's people in the room today where God's speaking to you. You're saying, I want to obey. I want to obey. Jesus, we thank you today for speaking to us. And Lord, I just pray over any person. That's saying, I I feel like I know what you're saying, God. I know what you're telling me to do. Lord, I pray that you'd give them the strength and the power to do it so that they can continue to move forward and to advance your kingdom. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.